Before I get into what I want to teach today, I want to share a little bit about what pastor's been teaching, uh, turning our weaknesses into strengths. Uh, this is a passion for me. Uh, my story and much of the work that I do is built around something that I call the four cornerstones for strategic living. It's personal healing, personal discovery, personal development, and personal deployment. The first cornerstone, and in my mind, the most important one is personal healing because one will only rise as high as the degree to which they've reconciled and dealt with the internal struggles and issues. Uh, the, the interesting scripture that we hear talked about, confess your faults one to another so that you may be healed. Healing is directly related to our willingness to confess our faults. Now, we think of our faults as those things, those mistakes we've made, the time we've really messed up and, and our failures. That's not what a fault is. A fault is uh, a fissure. It's a crack. It's a it's a place below the surface that you cannot see with the eye, but it's a place of instability and weakness. And Paul, it's, it's like California. Bless their hearts. I, you couldn't pay me to live out there for any reason in the world. I'm just saying, God, don't call me out there. Amen. Don't do it. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, but that entire West Coast is, is on the San Andreas Fault. And below this, everything on the surface is beautiful. The landscape is gorgeous. The buildings, the architecture, everything's awesome, except for that just a few feet below what you can see with the naked eye is catastrophe waiting to happen because it hasn't been dealt with. And that's a fault. And so we have to mine and dig out and deal with those things that are in our hearts, those unreconciled places, uh, as pastor has been so aptly teaching us the last number of weeks and months. Because if we don't deal with those, they will prohibit us from coming into the place of success and power and strength and influence that God's calling us into. My encouragement to you today is this. Do the deal. Don't just come here and hear these phenomenal teachings that Bishop Hurd is offering in this area. This is unprecedented that a man of God of his stature would even go there with his church. I commend him in this house for doing that. It's so important. But don't just be a hearer of the word. Do the work of getting deep in your heart and resolving the places that are broken so you can stand qualified and ready to engage what God has for you in this season. Can I get an amen in this place? So my message today is not about that, but I do want to offer something to contribute to it. I'm, I'm a part of this house. If you don't know, I was born and reared here. This is my home place right here. And so I feel very much at home. Uh, but my story is this. At 11 years old, I was molested and accosted in a very violent and a very difficult way by a person in the local church that I attended. Not this church, another church in the Metroplex. I won't mention the name. Uh, and... That followed me along with a lot of addictions and a lot of struggles and a lot of pain through my childhood and into my teenage life. I began working in ministry in this church on this platform, going out to all these neighborhoods around here before all of this was here, knocking on doors. I, I was struggling. I was called of God to do things in the kingdom, but I had this unreconciled stuff. I carried all of that into my marriage. It was a mess. Uh, I, I was traveling the world and just a lot of great things happening in my life ministry-wise and and career-wise, but I was living this thing. It was not right. It was not reconciled. And in 2000, God radically changed that. I came to a real crisis place. God really healed my heart, began to walk us through some things. My wife and I, our marriage was really restored in a powerful way. Great things began to happen. So for the last, oh, 18 years or so now, I've been sharing the things God's taught us about personal healing. One of which is in 2004, I taught a series on 
identifying and breaking unhealthy connections. Things that, that we get tied to relationally, emotionally, and even spiritually throughout the course of our life. We don't realize that even though those people or those situations may lo- no longer be in our lives, the emotional, soulish connection to those things are still wreaking havoc in our hearts. And so God gave us a real revelation on how to process through that. And I wrote a book called The Ties That Bind. Many of you have probably heard of it or read it. It's, I don't know, 25,000, 30,000 copies of the book worldwide, maybe more, I don't know. Lots of people have gone through the video training or the live training. Uh, This book has radically changed a lot of people's lives. I've never done this before, ever, anywhere that I've gone in any venue. But I felt led this week, and my wife can't believe I'm doing it, frankly. But I'm giving everybody here a copy of the book this week. If you're here Sunday, I want you to have a copy of it. Now, obviously, finances would not allow me to give you a physical copy. That'd be kind of, I couldn't bring 5,000 copies of the book to to Houston with me this week. But uh, if you will go to brianholmes.com forward slash CTAB, C-T-A-B, that should be easy for you to remember. You will put your information there, and within minutes, you'll get an email back in your inbox with a downloadable copy of the book for you to put on your tablet, on your phone, or wherever it is you want, maybe your computer. And I'm going to encourage you to do some work. Get into that book, follow the process, and allow Holy Spirit to lead you on a journey of personal healing. Amen? All right. Grab your Bibles, or your iPads, or your Bible phones. (laughs) I always make the joke, grab your smartphones. I'm calling on all the Apple people at that point. Some of y'all get that later. Oh, I heard that groan. Now, this is, not, this is not Pastor John Osteen or Pastor Joel Osteen, but grab your Bibles, hold it up. Say, this book is a book of great wisdom. Come on, say it with some conviction. This book is a book of principles that work. This book is the greatest success manual ever written. This book is cover to cover kingdom. That one gets me right there. This book is about dominion. It's about influence. It's about leadership. This book makes no distinction between ministry and the marketplace. Oops, saith the Lord. No, I didn't ask y'all to say that. I was just for me to say that. This book is my mandate. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth. Take dominion. This book is my manual. Give God a hand for his word. Would you do that? All right. The worship team went 20 minutes long today, so I'm borrowing some time from somebody. I don't know. I'm just kidding, James. (laughs) I promise you that I'm going to stay within the confines of that book today. I don't veer from that because that is the safe place. It's also a place of authority and power. And I want to be in that book today because contained within the pages of that book is everything we need to succeed, to be prosperous, to live strong, to represent the kingdom of God in the earth. We'll be in the book today. I give you my word. Before we leave here today, it is my desire, and I believe it's my assignment, to activate and to call out of you gifts and callings and businesses and assignments and things that 
possibly have been laying dormant for some time. So I want to ask you to give me permission to do what I believe God's given me to do, and that is to work in that field today. Can I do that? All right. So my title today is Convergence, where ministry meets the marketplace. Convergence, where ministry meets the marketplace. One of the greatest challenges I've witnessed in my lifetime being around Christianity and being around the church is what seems to be an intentional effort to keep a line of separation or delineation between the church and the marketplace, ministry and the marketplace. I'm not sure where we got into this, but we have somehow fostered a culture of them and us. And I I don't see that there's a them and an us in the new covenant as we were given instruction as to how to carry out the mandate. We're going to explore that for a moment today. Uh, Many of us have grown up to believe that there is, you you either have a secular job or you are full-time in ministry. I would like to suggest today, and I'm going to work with this today, that, that there should not be the dif- differentiation between the two. There is, there is the world, which is our field, and God has called each of us to minister, administer the kingdom of God in that place. So it's ministry in the marketplace. It's not ministry and the marketplace. I, I, I hesitated in the first service to say, so I'm going to say it again, though. Uh, rightfully, we recognize and we honor those that work in the context of equipping within the offices of the church body. Uh, New Testament gives us very clear direction on how that is structured and how it works. And so we separate people apart for the work of ministry within the local church. That is right that we do that. We must recognize and know those that labor among us. But I'd like to say that you don't need a certificate hanging on the wall to do anointed, gifted, powerful, world-changing ministry. Can I get an amen right there, somebody? Can I get an amen from somewhere over there? Amen. We, I don't know why, uh, you know, our world's changed a little bit the last five or six years. And, and I had somebody the other day ask me, I heard you left the ministry. I'm like, news to me. I didn't know. I'm touching more people every single week than I ever have in my entire adult lifetime. And I'm doing it in the church. I'm doing it in the business sector. I'm doing it in the government halls. I'm doing it at universities. I'm doing it everywhere God sends me because, I don't know, I just, I just recognize I'm called to do the work of ministry of the kingdom out there. Are you hearing me? The mindset of the them and us has really crippled us. It's paralyzed us. It's hurt us. Because we've not been effective at changing culture out there. Now, how do we shift the tide? How do we begin to bring this wall of separation down and once again begin to infiltrate the the world as we know it? How do we become or be the change we want to see? That's what I want to talk about. Go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. I'm going to just read a couple of scriptures here to, to lay a foundation for us for a few minutes. These are familiar passages to you, obviously. 513, you are the salt of the earth. Everybody say, I am. So let me just pause there for a second and say, if, if the earth is going to be salted, I am. It's you. It's me. The only way the environment is shifted is if you and I become engaged in it. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless or 
impotent, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything if it's become impotent. Except for one thing. It can be and should be trampled underfoot. Now, I, here, here's the deal. Uh, I, I said in the first service, it's getting closer to lunchtime now, so this means this is different than in the first service. But I hook me up with a bowl of beans, man, or some, or some chili, or some gumbo. Jesus, Lord, help me, God. Some gumbo. Amen. But the point is, is that... Uh, all of the wonderful dishes we enjoy partaking of require a certain bit of salt in the dish. Now, here's what I know. Uh, when you add salt to the dish, watch, the environment cannot say to the salt, you can't change me. You understand the, the, the beans can't say to the salt, I don't care how much you put in here, I ain't changing. In fact, in most cases, a little dash will do you. But the, the word picture, the metaphor that God gives here is that we are salt. So theoretically, you cannot add you to an environment without the environment fundamentally changing. The environment is not allowed to tell the element that the element can't work there. The problem with, with where we have been is that all of our salt has remained in the salt shaker. We got all the pretty salt shakers in the big canister. We go to Costco and Sam's to buy a big thing of salt. We got lots of, we keep building bigger buildings to contain more salt. And yet God is calling us to come out of the container and introduce ourselves into the environments that he has created us uniquely to change. Are you with me? Let's go to the next one. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. It's interesting that darkness cannot dispel light. It is impossible to have a light on and for darkness to overcome it. However, there is no darkness that a little match won't light up. It's made that way. Do you understand that? No matter how dark the world around us is becoming, and it is dark... But it only becomes darker with the absence of light. The moment light gets introduced to darkness, darkness is displaced. This is just simple. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But rather put that light on a lampstand. What's the lampstand, Brian? The lampstand is simply your place of assignment. Put the light where God made the light to be. For some, that might be the classroom. Maybe you're a teacher or a professor. For some, it might be your place of business. Maybe you're an entrepreneur or a, a business owner. Maybe you're a government official or a city uh, leader of some kind. Wherever your place of assignment is, put your light on a lampstand. Here's why this is so important. It says, because when you put your light on a lampstand, it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way, this is awesome, that when they see 
your good works. Push pause, hold up. Walk over again. Wait a minute. When they see whose good works, come on, church people. <laughs> when they see whose good works, whose good works, I'm waiting for all y'all to say it. Whose good works? It's just, if it wasn't me, it was just the Lord. I didn't do anything. You did a great job singing today. It wasn't me. I could have sworn that was you up there singing like that. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. I am nothing. He is everything. We need to stop that nonsense. Watch. Can we get in the word? Remember that book we talked about? This is what it says. So that when they see your light... Or when they see your good works, they will glorify your father who is in heaven. The way we point people to the father is with our good works. We've been trying. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to get in trouble here. (sighs) We have been trying for so long to get people to come hang out with us and do the deal. And how they're really going to see Jesus is when we go to them and do the deal. Hello. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. Watch this now. You got to go out. You got to go. I got a buddy of mine, a pastor in Toledo, Ohio, and he said this to me one time. He's talking about his kids growing up. He says, you know, our kids both got to be around 18, 19, 20. He says, I sat him down on the couch and I said this. I said, the Bible says, the Bi-, he said, I put my preacher voice on. The Bible says to train up a child in the way they should go. My beloved children, you need to go. <laughs> but there's this awesome scripture where Jesus talked, but they were like children in the marketplace. Because sometimes we come and do this thing so often we never grow up into adulthood and we don't leave, watch the confines and the safety of mom and daddy house. And it's time for some of us to be activated and go. Look at your neighbor and say, go. Some of y'all did it like you're trying to cast out a demon. Go. Jesus name. Sometimes you got to, you got to. Grow some confidence and and understand that God has called you for such a time as this. There is someone waiting for your influence to be introduced into their environment. And they need you now. I could talk about so many aspects of this. I've grown up in, in the church my whole life. And I'm so grateful for that heritage. As a child, I do remember this. I remember... Very strongly being impressed upon my mind through the teaching we received that we were to have no part in the world. That's been a fairly staple sort of a conversation among evangelical Christians for generations. You know, we're not to have any part in the world. We shouldn't be part of the world. In fact, uh, there's this really awesome scripture 
that I'll mention a little bit later in my presentation. Well, I'll go ahead and share it with you now, I guess. It says, uh, it says come out from among and be ye, says the Lord. And we've taken that so out of context, we've not measured it against Scripture and proven it in Scripture, that we've taught that we're to isolate ourselves and requisition ourselves away from the world and not be involved in business, not be involved in entertainment, not be involved in media, not be involved. Well, we'll just let them do whatever they want to do. We're going to come over here. We're going to have us some church. And guess what we've been doing for many years? We've been having us some... Hallelujah. And in doing that, what we've inadvertently done, we've abdicated our God-given responsibility in place in the marketplace. And because of that, the devil has taken over that territory. Laws are changing. Things are being redefined by small groups of people. Why? Because we are not on our lampstand. We are over here having... I need the intercessors praying for me right now up in here. I'm at... I don't know if any of you were taught this. I was, I grew up believing that money was evil. I grew up believing having money, lots of money was not good. It was like a badge of glorious God honor to be broke. The devil's a liar and his mother-in-law is ugly. No, man. How, how does one, how does one take certain scriptures and morph them around and move them around and try to make something out of that? When very clearly in scripture, the Bible says that he's given us the power to create wealth. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow with it. How do you, how do you rationalize all of the, the great fathers of faith who none of them, to my knowledge, struggled financially I'm just saying. And yet we, we've somehow brought on so many of these beliefs and it's time for us to break some of that down and get the Holy Spirit to, to shed that off of us so we can step into a place of what God intended for us. Watch now. How about this term? My mom, bless her heart, she's 83 now. Still going strong. Amen. I don't know if they're in the church. I think they're in the world. In the world. I think they're, I think they were in the church last year, but they're out of the church now. And now they're in the world. Hey, newsflash. We're at 13334 Wallaceville Road, Houston, Texas, USA, planet Earth. You are very much in the world. You are in the world, not of the world, but God has you here present in the world right now. He is sending you into those dark places for a reason. You are in the world. Oh, here's the one for you. You're not in the church. Blasphemy. No, you're in Christ. 
Christ has a bride called the church, but you're in Christ, which makes you a new creature, which by the way, since he ascended to the father, he gave you all power, all authority to rule reign on his behalf, to walk as a son, as a daughter of God in the earth. You are in Christ. You're not in the church. You are the church. Come on, somebody. So many places in the scripture I could take you to, to show, to exemplify this for you, but we are called to go. Everybody say go. We are called to infiltrate as salt, as light. We are called to place the element of God in us, in the environment that needs the God of us. And actually administrate the kingdom of God in that place and bring heaven on earth in that place. You cannot do that, my dear friends, sitting on a church pew saying just amen on Sunday morning. You gotta go, you gotta go to that hell hole of a job that you don't like going to. And understand, just because it's nasty up in there doesn't mean it has to be nasty up in there. You walk up in that place on Monday morning and say, the kingdom of God just showed up in here. Like it or not, I'm taking over. If you're a business owner, you begin to take authority in your region and to walk those streets, walk that territory, whatever it is, and say, I want you to know the kingdom of God just showed. I am a business owner. I am a minister of the kingdom in the business area. That's who I am. Take it. It's a place of confidence. The Western church has institutionalized and This is a word systematized something that I believe God intended to be very organic and very powerful and very life altering. We've, we've in some ways we've made it so systemic that we've, we've sort of boxed God in a bit. I believe God wants to break the shell off of us, release his people, activate his people to go ye therefore into all the four corners and wreak havoc with the kingdom. It's about his will, his agenda, his rulership, his lordship. In Revelation, I believe it's chapter 2, the Bible says, The kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. The only way that happens, the only way that happens, is if the people of God become active in the various spheres of influence, and we administer the rulership of God's house in all the other places. It's the only way. God's not going to usurp the will of all the kingdoms. He just wants to get his people activated and sent out into there like salt in the mix. And over time, the environment changes so fundamentally that it looks like God even out there in those places. That's the plan. All right. I'm wrapping up here. How do we do this, Brian? How do we get... How do we shift this thing around and and change our mindset and begin to think differently? We have to actually understand first who we are, and we have to know whose we are, and we have to understand the power we've been given. Now, I want to tell you a couple of stories here that I think will help you piece this together because examples are really good. Five years ago, the Lord, six years ago, the Lord called my wife and I on an interesting transitional journey, I suppose. It, It shocked us. We weren't expecting it. We weren't looking for it. Uh, God just invited, and my heart was very much at a place where I said yes. The interesting thing about saying yes to God, this is for someone. The interesting thing about saying yes when you're invited someplace is saying yes when God hasn't fully revealed where he's taking you. 
And I have, I think I'm, I shouldn't say I figured it out. I'm learning that that's God's MO. God's MO is, I want to show you some things. I want to take you some places. I want to use you in a, not use you in a bad way, but use you to change environments and change sectors and do some crazy things you never dreamed about. Uh, So you want to go? Yes. And my next words were, okay, what's the plan? What's the strategy? What I need to bring? What I need to pack? What's, you know, where are we going? What's, you know, what's it look like tomorrow? And, And God said, no, no, no. It's one day at a time. I'm going to reveal myself to you as we go. Here's why God does that. Because I promise you, if you jumped straight into whatever it was that God was inviting you into, you and I would mess it up. Why? Because we would bring our crazy, stinking thinking from over here into this new level, and we would mess it all up. So sometimes God has to walk it out with us so he can work some things out in us so we're ready and qualified to lead on the new level. Some of you are at that place right now. You, you have been invited to a new place and you're scared to say yes because you can't define what the yes is. God says, just say yes. Trust me in the journey. I'm taking you places you haven't even dreamed of. I launched a new company as a result of this called Strategic Influencers. God's given me a mandate. I still don't know what it all looks like. This is the truth. I'm, I'm figuring this out five years later, one day at a time. But God's showing me that I have been given the authority and the grace to work with high-level leaders, high-level business owners, and CEOs and and major corporations to shift cultures. I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool. What's really cool is I get paid to do it. Shundai Boshai, write me a big check. I like that part. Amen. It's interesting when you walk into a C-suite executive's office and you got a guy who's at the pinnacle of corporate success and they're looking for ways to, to raise their top-line revenue and increase their profit margins and, and create better cultures for their employees and all this stuff. And I walk in there and, and I don't walk in there with just a good mind. And I got a pretty good business mind on me, but I walk in there with the anointing of the prophetic and the word of knowledge and the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, okay, God, what are you doing here? And then the man begins to talk a little bit, and I realize, oh, there's some personal healing needs to go on right there because he's stuck. And if he's stuck, the whole thing is stuck. We all toast. Cause we, this thing ain't going nowhere until he gets that deal reconciled right there. And I have sat across from people time after time after time in the last five years, and we're in, in a very professional suit and tie environment. Stuffy. Hmm. Holy Spirit drops in the room, and I just say one little thing, you know. Well, you know, have you thought about whatever the thing is? And when I say those words, the man across the table begins sobbing and crying and God begins to do a work of healing. Why? Because it's ministry in the marketplace. It's where cultures get changed. It's where things are shifted. I don't know why. Well, let me tell you about another company. I I had a company call me a couple of months ago. were inquiring about me doing some speaking and training for them. It's a new company out of California. I won't mention the name. Uh, they come, I, I will tell you this, they come out of Jesus culture. Anybody familiar with Jesus culture, the worship team and the church and all that? They're in Sacramento. Anybody familiar with Bethel Church in California? You've heard of Bethel? So they're all kind of a part of that camp. And uh, these guys, a little, I think it's about 27-year-old kid, uh, he got, God gave him a vision for a company. And he knew it was going to require a strategic partnership, but he knew that God had given him a mandate to marry the financial services and insurance industry in that business 
with kingdom principles and kingdom taking over kind of a mindset. And, and he began to flesh through that and pray through that. And God began to show him the, the blueprint. And he launched the company two years ago. And it's absolutely radically changing the industry. And they're going into people's homes. They're training their agents and their representatives to go into homes, do the deal at the kitchen table or at the Starbucks or whatever, and do the business. But then while they're there, be listening to the Holy Spirit. God, what, what, why am I really here today? A buddy of mine the other day went into a home and he recognized that this particular place he was going, they really weren't a great qualified lead. They, he probably couldn't help them financially uh, with what they were needing, but, but he, he said, I'm just compelled to go anyway, all right? So he goes to this home. He walks in the front door. They welcome him. They're making introductions. About that, uh, a few seconds later, the, the wife comes around the corner, 37 years old, three little kids in the house. The wife comes around the corner. She's frail. She's gaunt. She's very, you can tell she's not well. The husband said, this is my wife. She has stage four cancer. The doctors have sent her home. They can't do anything more for her. We're just waiting for her to go. And right then, Holy Spirit said, that's why I brought you here. So they finished up their little business there. And then before he left, he said, ma'am, can I pray for you? Turns out she wasn't a Christian. She believed in God, so to speak, but she had never been around church. She just said, please pray for me. So he took her by the hands and he just said, I prayed a very ecumenical prayer. You know what ecumenical prayer is? It's like, it's like uh, well, I won't mention a denomination. <laughs> it's just a very sweet, non-churchy, non-churchy. just, now, Father, I just pray right now. There's a lot of justs in ecumenical prayers. You know, Father, I just pray that just, uh, that just you're going to just, uh, you know, those kind of prayers. I, I pray, God, that you're, right now, you would just be present with this precious lady and that, Lord, we speak, just real quick, just, we speak to this cancer. This cancer is not right. It's not supposed to be here. And we just right now, we, we thank you that you healed her at the cross. This work is finished. This does not belong in her body. And we just speak healing over her body right now in Jesus' name. And he got about five words into that whole little deal I just did right there. And he said something came in the room. The husband like, kind of went back like this and sat down on the couch. And he says the, the, the thing was so real. The woman began to sweat. And she was shaking and trembling. And after the prayer, he said, ma'am, what just happened? She says, I have no idea what just happened. He said, well, what did you feel? He said, I felt like you had lit me on fire from the inside. Everything in my body was burning. I didn't know what was going on. And he just, this confidence came on. He says, ma'am, you were, you were healed. Weeks later, she goes back for her follow-up. No cancer. <laughs> Ministry marketplace. But Pastor Brian, you know, I just love how I feel when I come to church and that anointing jumps on me. I just, oh, I just uh, see my goosebumps. See my goosebumps. You ever people do that? I want to feel that anointing. And we have made it such that it's, it's either the anointing or it's business. What if in this season there could be the convergence of Holy Ghost power and anointing that we so love to feel and operate in and flow in and this idea of walking into some realtors in here, walking into a house with somebody showing them a home and, and in the conversation, God says, I want to do something in that person's life. And you begin to transform their life by just energized or just engaging with the anointing and the marketplace all in one place at one time. What would happen if we would do that? 
I got to give you one more example. One more example that I can, I got several more that I could share, but this is one that's very powerful. My daughter and my son are very uh, involved with theater, musical theater especially. And uh, by the way, y'all pray for me. My daughter's moving out in two weeks. Oh, God, help me, Jesus. <sighs> I'm going to come back for some personal healing. You better have your teams ready. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Going off to university for her last two years there, I'm like, oh, Lord. They're big into theater, and over the last two years, we've, we've seen the 60, 70, 80 people that associate with her theater company kind of like drawn around us. Like people in our house all the time are like, y'all need to go. I want to go to bed. People there at 3 o'clock in the morning. But, but something about my kids... And the way they love people. And something about Sabrina and I, we, we got kids of different races calling me mom and calling me pop and Sabrina mom. Because we just pour into them and love them. We've had ministry times, not church, not taking a text, not, you know, please go to the key of F minor sharp. <laughs> they know I'm joking because I'm a musician. And, and we're going to sing, you know, verse 2 and chorus. None of that. Just, just, just listening and hearing their hearts. A couple of weeks ago, we were at a, a function with the theater group. And I watched as Dr. Samuel Germany, who is the main professor at the college where my daughter has attended the last two years. And this is a, just a sweet old guy. He's been there for 35 years pouring into kids. And I watched one after one, as these kids stood up and said, the greatest gift I see in you, and here's what you've done in my life. One kid's tears streaming out of his face said, you saved my life. And talking, to, uh, this is a very secular, very public college. And they were talking about, I've seen, I, I never believed in God until I met you. And you showed me what Jesus looks like. And so this man thrust into the, the nastiest environment at a public college in a bad part of our town, and they're just there, and these kids come from very bad situations, and this one little guy, he's about that tall. He's just been Jesus to them in the music industry for the last 35 years. One lady stood up that's 45 years old. 45. And she said, you won't remember this, but in 19, whatever it was, 80-something you pulled me aside and you said these words to me. And he didn't remember the conversation. And he had prayed for her in the corner of the hallway somewhere. And he says, she said, that was the day my life changed. Why? Because it's ministry in the marketplace. It's where the people are that matters. Now, I'm going to close with this. We need powerful influencers and leaders to rise up right now. We need teachers. Please hear me. We need teachers in classrooms and in university classrooms to begin to speak the truth of God's word in principle and begin to transform the lives and the minds and the hearts of a generation toward the Lord. We absolutely need business owners and entrepreneurs to rise up, take their place and lead in the communities, become the trans formation agent in your community. You want to know how to have influence in your community? Be a successful business owner.
Did you hear what I said? Be a successful business owner. You will be looked to in your community for answers. Guarantee you. We need individuals who are willing to go into the filth and the muck of Hollywood and L.A. and New York City and Broadway and the music industry and Nashville and begin to just just be there. Don't go in there thumping your Bible. Go in there just being the kingdom. Let your light shine before men. And when they see your good works, they will glorify your Father in heaven. We need leaders who can generate wealth on one hand and lay hands on the sick with the other. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) We need leaders who know how to facilitate a high-level board meeting while simultaneously facilitating a move of the Holy Spirit in their city. We need leaders who know how to build successful businesses while at the same time pastoring, shepherding, and loving the people in their company and in their community. What we need, my friends, is convergence. We need to break down the wall that separates the church and the marketplace. We need to absolutely annihilate this concept that there's them and there's us. No, baby girl, listen to me. Some lady in here right now, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. God has called you to go right up into that mess. Not to stay out of that mess. Some of you, God called you out to get you saved and get you equipped, but not so you can hang out over here and be pretty. He called you out so he can send you in. Hear me. Some of you have discounted the, the possibility of where God might be sending you because in your mind that's going backwards. No, you've come out, been regenerated, reborn, and set for the kingdom So that you can go back to where you came from in order to make an absolute difference in the world. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. I believe the next great reformation in our country, this country, is going to be in the marketplace. Churches are going to see revival. I mean, church entities. But where God is breathing right now, I'm seeing it all over America. I know, I know for a fact Jade can attest to this. She sees it. We've talked about this. Everywhere we go, we see ministry and marketplace converging and God doing unbelievable, unprecedented things in places you would never expect him to move. Classroom, the workplace, sports arenas, athletes. Sitting right here on these pews are great business owners and entrepreneurs. Sitting right here on these pews, community leaders, politicians. Yes, politicians. Please don't complain about what's happening in D.C. or in your county or in your city or in your state. How about we go do something about it? Huh? Investment bankers, hedge fund managers. Hedge fund. Yes. The Lord showed me there's a hedge fund manager in this church. Do you all know what a hedge fund is? Let's just say they handle a lot of money. Trillions, billions. There's a hedge fund manager. Either you're presently operating as one or you're supposed to be. You're sitting on your gift. You've deferred it to someone else to do that thing because it's too big for you. That's a lie. God's put it inside of you to do 
irrational, unbelievable, unthinkable things in the business world, and you're sitting on your gift, I am calling you out today. Say, this is just Houston. We don't have hedge funds here. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you do. Professional speakers, actors, singers, musicians, athletes, insurance professionals, medical professionals, government officials. Sitting here under the sound of my voice in this service are those people. What could we do if we allowed God to process us out of religious thinking and into activation and infiltration mindset where we got out of our salt shaker and into the world and we began to fundamentally change everything around us. What would that look like? That new building we're building over on Beltway 8, is it can't even contain the harvest of what would happen. I'm not kidding. You're talking about 8, 10, 15 services a week just to keep up. Because when people see the light and when they see your good works, they have no choice but to run to the God that you serve.